0: Austin nursed a bad case of the booze blues. Craig forgot he had his own issues to deal with. He
1: was lazy, just a regular Joe. Hello, welcome to Everything Iconic. I'm Danny Pellegrino. We're going to be breaking down this week's Southern Charm. We're going to be breaking down this week's A Plus episode of The Real Houses of New York. We have so much to talk about. You want the Real Housewives New York recap? Skip ahead. For now, we have got to talk about Southern Charm. Now, this week gave us everything that we've been wanting for weeks and weeks. They gave us the bop doos the birds and the bees, and the one-two-threes. At the beginning of the episode, I was so excited. You know, every week I've been calling on them to do that. And last week, we got the bop Doo at the end of the episode. This week, we're finally getting it at the beginning. So we're getting it during Cameron's narration, which they're getting very creative with Cameron's narration lately. Have you noticed this? They've always been a little bit poetic, I'd say. Like every time when Cameron's doing that narration for the previously on, it's like a little bit poetic, right? But I noticed they're getting a little bit harder core with the writing of it. And I don't know if they hired like a Dr. Seuss imitator or something, but there's something going on because Cameron's narration this week was like, as a newly single Austin nursed a bad case of the booze blues, Craig forgot he had his own issues. (laughs) The booze blues, you guys.
0: As newly single Austin nursed
1: a bad case of the booze blues. Bad case of the booze blues. It was like, oh my God, this is some Dr. Seuss, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. You know, we're not talking about a red fish or a blue fish. We're just talking about stunted men in Charleston. but. It's the same concept. It's the same kind of thing. And then, then we get the improv. We get like the song, which it's not improvised, but it reminds me of like an improvised scat. But it's like he was lazy, just a regular Joe blow. And you guys, I the endorphins flow when I hear that music come in. I'm so glad we're getting in the beginning. Then Cameron's like Chelsea wasn't about to give in to Shep's shit. And then the musicians come in. He'll swing the game, don't you know? Don't you know? Now. I had to write this down and rewind it a million times. I think what they were singing was, he'll swing the game. Don't you know? Don't you know? She was like, he'll swing the game. Don't you know? Don't you know? I'm not sure that's what it says. And that doesn't make much sense to me. He'll swing the game. I I mean, I get, is this like a baseball metaphor? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it was, I think he'll swing the game. I rewound it four or five times and I still could not get like an exact read on it, but I think it was he'll swing the game, don't you know, don't you know. Then it got really dark, because then Cameron's narration was like, Catherine resurfaced from her depressive episode, and everyone was pissed about it. You know, it was something like that. (laughs) That wasn't the exact wording, but it was like, Catherine just got out of a depressive episode and no one gave a shit. And then it was like, ba ba do, ba ba-ba-dee-dee-dee, it's easy as the birds and the bees and the one-two-threes. Ah, I was bliss, you guys. I was so happy to have it. I mean, was it a little dark to be like, you know, that wasn't Cameron's exact narration. It wasn't like Catherine had a depressive episode, but that's basically what she was saying. (laughs) That's what she was saying without saying. Anyway, it was so lovely. Then we open on that treehouse dinner, which we left off last week, and everyone kind of breaks off. Danny and Catherine go to the fire. Now, Danny seems like she's got all that stuff built up she wants to talk to Catherine about. And she's like, so stressed out. You could see it in her face. You could see it in her body language. Danny was so stressed to say anything to Catherine because we know Catherine's like a little bit like a ticking time bomb. She's got a lot of things on her plate. But Danny, she's like, <sighs> she's breathing really heavy. She's like, you know what? We gotta make s'mores first. I can't do this without a s'more. I gotta, we gotta make some s'mores first. I have some stuff I want to talk to you about, but let's make some s'mores first. <laughs> so then they go on to break, make s'mores, and Danny finally gets the courage to say what she wants to say. Say what you need. What's that John Mayer song? Say what you want to say. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. But anyway, the point is, Danny finally gets the courage after the s'more to talk to Catherine. And Catherine is not having it at all. She's not having one bit of it. And here's where I realize that Catherine's very much like an Erica Jane. This happens on Real House of Beverly Hills a lot. It's like the girls want to talk about what's going on, how they're feeling and all of that stuff. The women want to talk about it. And Erica Jane just shuts down. She's like, I'm not interested in talking about it. She wants to talk about what she wants to talk about on her own terms. And I feel like Catherine's that way on Southern Charm, which is a weird dynamic because on a reality show, like that's not the point of this show. Like You're supposed to be talking about how you feel. That's what this reality show is. So you need to play the game. And I don't know how long people can do this for. Like Catherine's been doing it for a while because she's had so much drama going on in her personal life. But I think without the drama in her personal life, then on these shows, we need you to open up with the other cast members and you have to let them tell you how they feel. And Erica Jane does that a lot too. And on Beverly Hills, I find that part of Erica Jane is just getting a little tiresome, but that's my opinion. I know a lot of people love her, but um, it's so funny because Danny's like in tears, you know, like Danny's like so worked up about all this stuff. And Catherine is just like not even paying attention. She's wiping away smoke. She's like, I got to move seats. It's just like, oh my God, it's so cringy. This conversation was so cringy. And at one point it was this cringy. Danny said, everyone has their own story. Danny said that, which is my favorite Kathy Liegerford lyric. And she's right, you know, and so is KLG. They're all right. Everyone has their own story. And I'm excited to hear everyone's story. You know, I love hearing a story. You guys, I want to take a quick detour here. Now, earlier this week, I had a guest on the show by the name of Allison Hannigan. She was, of course, on How I Met Your Mother. She was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I thought the interview went wonderfully. But at the end of these interviews, you know, I like to do these lightning rounds. And... I throw out all these questions. You know, a lot of times I reuse the same questions. I say, who do you think People Magazine sexiest man alive? With her, I said, what was your favorite How I Met Your Mother episode? You know, they're they're pretty generic-y kind of questions. There was one question I edited out of the episode, and I didn't edit anything else out of the episode, I don't believe. But there was one little edit that I made because I re-listened to it back, and I was horrified, you guys. I, was, I got the cringe sweats. I was sweating. My asshole clenched when I heard it. And I debated back and forth whether or not I should share it. But I thought, you know what, we take these detours on this podcast, where I go and I usually share a story, an embarrassing story of my past. Well, these embarrassing stories don't just stop now. They still happen day to day. I'm being embarrassing. And this happened when I had Alison Hannigan on the show. And I'm going to play the clip for you. And I really went back and forth in my head. I said, do I want to embarrass myself? And I thought, you know what, I owe it to you guys. Because this was something I edited out of Monday's episode because I was so, I was so cringe embarrassed by it. But it's my truth and I have to live my truth and I have to share my truth with you all because that's what this podcast is. So I'm doing these lightning rounds. I'm doing this lightning round with Allison Hannigan. I'm saying, what's your favorite How I Met Your Mother episode? What's your favorite Mariah Carey song? You know, I'm quick questions. Now, one of the questions that I have previously asked someone is, what's your favorite snack? Now here's the thing. I love a snack. You know, I love a Peppered Farm cookie. I love a Kit Kat. I love a bag of chips, some Frito Lays, some Fritos. I love a snack and I like knowing other people's favorite snack. Now snack in the gay community or the, the young community or, you know, there's an urban slang for snack means like an attractive male usually, or it could, I think it could be an attractive female. But oftentimes with my friends, with my boyfriend, like if we see Chris Hemsworth or we see a hot guy, we say, "Oh my god, he's such a snack." You know, I was just watching; I saw Michael B. Jordan on a a red carpet thing, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's such a snack." You know, it's slang for like a hot man. So that you could say that, like, he's such a snack, or you could say, you know, he's not just a snack; he's a full meal. You know, it's like kind of like a a fun little gay slang. I'm sure it's in straight community too, but it's like a slang. You know, he's a, he's a snack. So I'm doing this lightning round with Allison Hannigan, and I'm, what's your favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode? You know, and she answers, and then I say, What's your favorite snack? Now, I meant, what's your favorite food snack? That's what I meant. I want to play the clip for you guys. Now I'm gonna play it here and just listen to my reaction. Interesting. What's your favorite snack?
0: Mmm. Uh, the one that's in front of me. Oh,
1: oh, my God, that was the sweetest thing. Just, just
0: whatever I'm eating.
1: Okay, so Allison Hannigan said her favorite snack was whatever's in front She said what's in front of her. Now, I was sitting in front of her, and there were no snacks on the table. Usually when I have a guest, I have a pepper charm cookie out, but I did not. This time, I just did not. I didn't have any. I was a little unprepared. I didn't have a cookie. But so Allison Hannigan says her favorite snack is what's in front of her. And so I took that to mean that she was saying I was a snack. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> I thought she meant I was a snack, you guys. I thought she was doing it like in the slang way of like like I'm an attractive man and I'm like you know, I'm a snack. And then I come to find out what she really meant was like whatever snack she's eating at the time. Interesting. What's your favorite snack?
0: Mm. Uh the one that's in front of me.
1: Oh, oh my god, that was the sweetest thing. Just, <laughs> just
0: whatever I'm eating.
1: And so here my response was like, Oh my god, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. <laughs> I didn't even notice, you guys. I didn't even notice until I was editing the episode. I was listening to it back. I was like, oh my God, I'm a... Sh-. I thought she was saying I'm a snack. Like I'm in this slang. <laughs> I've never, I've never been more embarrassed. And then she had a PR person there. What were they all thinking at this time? I was like, oh my God, you're too sweet. <laughs> she was not complimenting me. Oh my God, you're so sweet, Alison Hannigan. That's so sweet of you. I can't believe you. Oh, you shouldn't. And it's like she wasn't, Danny. Like you fucking heard it wrong. She was calling the food in front of her her favorite snack. <laughs> like not. Oh my god, you guys! I was so embarrassed. And I literally heard it. And I was like cringing. I was like, I have to cut this out of the episode. And I'm playing it for you now because I could at least spl- explain it to you. But how embarrassing! I thought she was saying I was a snack. She was not. That's not what she was saying. Anyway, I encourage you all to go listen to the interview. Anyway, the next day. Let's get back to the Southern Charm episode. The next day, everyone wakes up in their treehouse. Naomi was literally sleeping on a balloon. Did you catch this? She was on a balloon with a sheet. There was a sheet on top of a balloon. I don't know if they just ran out of beds. You know, they were only splitting two different treehouses. And it looked like there was only one bed in each. And Naomi was just on a balloon. She said she almost fell off of it at one point in the night. It was very brief. If you go back and watch it, she was on a balloon, I believe. And I don't know if it was like a blow-up air mattress, but it seemed the... The way it looked to me was like it was a balloon with a sheet on it. So that must have been tough. You're on a show, you're on a hit show, and they're making you sleep on a balloon. I'm not sure how that works out. I don't know what the budgets are happening over here on Southern Charm. But it seems like if I was on a hit show and I was a cast member, I'd say, I'm not sleeping on a goddamn balloon. You know, I'm not sleeping on a blow-up at- or mattress. Like, put me on another treehouse. I would be livid. I'm on a hit show, a star of a hit show, sleeping on a balloon. Then Cameron and Chelsea, in their treehouse, they talk about the baby. This is her whole storyline, Cameron's whole storyline this season, which is, you know, I don't know. I go back and forth with it. It's interesting a little bit, but it also seems so separate from the rest of the group, which is kind of boring to me. I prefer my storylines to be all, you know, encompassing with the group. Anyway, then we learn that Catherine felt very betrayed by Danny. The girls all go back home. Then we cut to Craig's house. And he was asleep at 1247. Had his bracelets on in bed. He was asleep at twelve forty seven. His operations manager was there. This is unacceptable. He said in his confessional that he's not a good waker upper. And let me tell you something, this is not acceptable outside of college. I don't remember the last time I slept till twelve forty seven. And later in the episode we see him sleep at five PM. This is not okay. These men need to get it together. And you know I love my craig. I love my Craigie. I love my craig. But it's not acceptable for someone to be sleeping till twelve forty seven. This was probably a weekday. He was supposed to be making pillows and his poor operations manager must be so frustrated working with Craig. I mean, could you imagine somebody you're supposed to be working there and motivating them and they're fucking asleep doing bracelet work in the bed with their eyes closed and the cameraman, how could you even sleep with the cameraman in the room? If there was a camera crew in my house, there's no way I'd be just sleeping through it. I don't care if they were filming me. I mean, come on. There's no way I I would be too embarrassed. He finally hopped out of bed. And I just felt so bad for that operations manager, then we cut to Austin and his Dad golfing now, Austin said when he was younger that he would throw the balls him and his dad would go to the driving range, and he would throw the balls and pretend like he was done with his bucket of balls. This was interesting to me because I used to golf a lot with my parents or my dad and my brothers, and I loved the driving range. I didn't like to play like a full game of golf you know I would always I wouldn't mind like a a nine hole game of golf, but an 18 hole game of golf is just way too fucking long for me. The only time I could do an 18 hole course is if we're doing like a beer course. Like I used to do that in high school and college, my friends and I we would take like a case of beer out or a couple of cases of beer and we'd be like we're going to drink one beer per hole. And that was fun. You guys, that's fun cuz then by the 18th hole you're just like drunk as a skunk and you're having the best time with your friends. But when I'm golfing with my dad, it's like I want to have fun, my dad gets too serious with that kind of stuff, so I related to that with Austin. But I feel like nine holes is enough. 18 holes of golf is just boring as fuck. I know some of you may love it out there. I apologize, but it seems like a lot. 18 holes is a lot. But it was interesting to me because Austin Dad is basically telling me he's a fuck up. And all of these men on this show are very stunted. You know, I love my Craigie, but these men are very stunted, right? Like, I don't know what's, I don't know if it's because of the TV show or if the TV show is just picking up on that, but it seems to me. That the men on Southern Charm are a little bit stunted. And by little bit I mean like a whole lot, like more than anyone else in the entire America. <laughs> They're pretty stunted. And I don't know what's the deal with that, but we cut to Patricia's house. Now Madison is arriving at Patricia's house. But before she arrives, we just see Michael singing and cleaning. And I want that kind of help in my house. He's just singing, he's singing something like a a Doo. You know, he's in the kitchen, he's like, Ooh, oh, oh. You know, meanwhile, I just had a cleaning lady over here the other day and she was singing biddy biddy bum bum and then she broke my favorite mug. She broke my favorite mug. I don't think Michael does that. I did appreciate that she was singing biddy biddy bum bum. Like she put she had like her personal uh, music player in the kitchen. She's like, Biddy biddy bitty bum bum you know, the Selena song, which is such a hit. <laughs> such a good song. I mean I walked in, I was like, Woohoo! I started like doing a little a little dance, but she when I walked in, she broke my favorite mug, and she's literally broken one of my mugs every single time she's been over. I mean, every single time, and I still love her to death. But, you know, I bet Michael doesn't break a mug. Although I did love his singing, I loved his singing, and I love my maids. I loved her singing too. Her ba- midi, 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 bum, bum. <laughs> what a song! We didn't deserve that song, we didn't. We got to talk about this scene between Madison and Patricia. Now Madison's beautiful again, a Jessica Simpson look like. Patricia's also beautiful and I was thinking in the scene Patricia's definitely like an LVP sister. She looks like she could be LVP sister. We see this threesome video where Madison walks in on Austin with the two other girls and enough, Taylor Armstrong enough I've seen that video a- thousand goddamn times. I don't need to see it again. It's too much. They've shown it to us every single episode. We're on episode five or something like that. And we've seen this video, this cell phone footage too many times. Stop playing it. We get it. So Madison tells Patricia that she had revenge sex and Patricia's trying to grasp what revenge sex is. The whole time, the whole time, I'm just debating in my head if I'm attracted to Austin. This has been something I've been debating on the show before. And I think I might be attracted to him. And I'm not proud of that fact at all. And I, when he, Austin came on the show, I was like, not at all attracted to him. And now I see him and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm ready to leave my Craigie for my Austin. And I don't, again, I don't think he's got a great personality or any great morals or a successful business or any other good qualities, but I'm still a little bit attracted. And that's on me. And that's something that I could discuss with my therapist. But for now, I just want to say that I think I'm attracted to him, not proud of it. Not, he has like childlike eyes, I think. Anyway, we're cutting back and forth between the Patricia and Madison scene and Austin and his dad. And we're just seeing the different dynamics. And at one point with Austin and his dad, Austin's dad called him Bubba, and I got PTSD of Vanderpump Rules of Katie and Tom's signage. You know that Bubba sign in their house? I got some PTSD, and I was like, whoa. You know, I couldn't get my bearings. I thought, I don't know if I can ever hear that word Bubba without thinking of the Vanderpump Rules kids. And that's not good. And I know we don't use that word a lot. I feel like we haven't really used it since Saved by the Bell. Do you remember when Jesse would call him Bubba? Didn't she used to call him that? Am I making that up, Bubba? One of them, either Slater used to call Jesse that or Jesse called Slater that, right? And then, Oh, yeah, it was, didn't he call her Bubba? She called him Bubba and then he called her Mama, like Heather Thompson. He was like, hey, Mama, but in a. <laughs> Mario Lopez would see Elizabeth Berkeley and be like, hey, Mama.
0: Hi, Mama Boo.
1: You know, it was just like Heather Thompson, almost the exact same. My yummy tummy mama, (laughs) Mario Lopez, used to do the same thing. But I'll never be able to hear Bubba again without thinking of the Vanderpump Rules kids. And it was weird to me when Austin's dad called Austin that. Shock to the system. Then we cut to Craig and Shep at the bar restaurant. They're getting together to talk about uh, Madison and Austin. And it seems like Shep is really obsessed with this Madison-Austin dynamic. He tells Craig about the texts that Madison sent Chelsea. They were screenshots from Austin's text. It's very confusing. It's getting a little confusing, but it seems like Shep's like obsessed with this Madison Austin dynamic, which is weird to me. But I'm also sort of into it because it's like very odd. I don't quite get it. And there has to be more to that story. You know, everyone has a story. I think there's more to it. Maybe Shep had a crush on Madison. I don't know. There's something else there that I'm seeing because Craigie, my Craigie doesn't seem that obsessed with it. But Shep seems really into this whole Madison and Austin dynamic. And I don't get it. Craig says he wants to rent an RV with the guys, and he. This is a disaster. It's going to be a disaster, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited for to throw them all in the RV, and I think all these reality shows need to throw them in an RV for more than one day. I know on Beverly Hills they did it when they went camping. I need it for more than a day. Throw them in a van for a week straight. The entire cast throw them in a van. Send them down by the river, and let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens. Keep filming it. Do you remember they went on that camping trip on the real houses in New Jersey, and it was so compelling? This was years ago, like season two or three or something like that. Remember, Greggy went, and it was like a whole camping trip, and so much drama happened. We threw him in an RV, and we sent him on their way by the river. That's what we need to do here. Although on this trip on Southern Charm, it thinks it seems like it's just going to be the guys. So then we cut to Chelsea and Naomi who are talking on the porch swing. Naomi's not going to this pillow party that Craig is having. So Craig's having a pillow party where he's going to ask everyone to help him make these pillows. Then we got something that was so surprising to me. It was a scene between Danny and her mom. Wow. I think I love Danny. And now she's a full-blown cast member. At the beginning of the season, I thought she was just going to be a side character again, but she's a full-blown cast member. She's having scenes with her mom. She reveals more about her past. She says she was engaged, but they broke it up because he wanted some more time. She's like, I wasn't having it. Then she reveals that she's only thirty-five. This was shocking to me. She said that she was only thirty-five. You guys, and then the mom was sixty. But then, look, I don't. I'm not proud of this, and this is not something I should say or that anyone should repeat. But I would say that Danny looked more like sixty, and the mom looked more like thirty-five. Moving on, we cut to Craig at something that looked like a Zarin Fabrics. It was a fabric store. I was hoping it'd be a Zarin Fabrics. I know it wasn't because. Jill Zarin's not in Charleston. But I was hoping Jill Zarin would just walk in and be like, hi. Fortunately, it didn't happen. But we did get Catherine walking in immediately, and she cried. She cried. She's got so much on her plate. She's on the brim. She is truly losing it. And I get it. I would be too, because now Thomas is, he might go to jail for sexual assault. Like, there's a lot of dark stuff happening. And as she said, she's not sure how to explain it to the kids. And that is so hard. I can't even imagine what that's like going through that. It must be so hard. And for someone who also suffers from depression, and anxiety, like to deal with all of that, like and having your ex maybe going to jail, it's all very dark stuff. And I felt bad. But in her confessional, she looked great. Did you catch her new look? It was like a leather kind of Catwomany y look. I liked it. Anyway, they talked. Craig was trying to console her, but he was not doing a good job. Like, Craig, he doesn't know how to do it. He was just like, well, you know what? Kenzie's done. though. <laughs> Won't know. She's like, I don't know how I'll explain to Kenzie that her dad sexually assaulted a woman. Craig's like, well, you know, she'll figure it out. "Eh, Whatever. She'll figure it out. Then we cut to Craig. This is where he was asleep at his house at 5 p.m. 5 p.m., Craig. Get out of bed. You know how Bethany says, go to sleep? I'm yelling at you. Get out of bed. Get out of bed. Don't go to sleep, Craig. You need to wake up. (laughs) Wake Wake the fuck up. It's 5 p.m. Anna Hayward's there, and she's setting up for this pillow party. And Craig's just asleep. He finally wakes up to take a shower and to put on some eye makeup. And he reveals that he likes to wear eye makeup. And he's putting it on right before his sewing party. And this is a Pride Month event, if I ever saw one. He's wearing some makeup, and I'm very happy that he's living his truth. He's sewing. Very proud of my Craigie. I was glad they showed him in the shower, not Shep this week in the shower. That was nice. But 5 p.m., Craigie. 5 p.m. Wake up, Craig get up. Wake up. You cannot be sleeping at 5 p.m. You got people coming over to make some pillows. Wake up. Oh, somatic was so mad at Craigie. I'm going to call him after this. <laughs> I don't have his number. But anyway, the point is, Craig says not a lot of straight males are moving into the homewares business. And I'll just let that sit on everyone for a minute. He says not a lot of straight males are moving into the homewares business. Just think about it. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. We got a couple glimpses of Craig's dog, Bethany, too. Wow, Craig's dog, Bethany. Wow. It was nice to see the dog. I love the dog work happening on the show. Lots of dogs. His dog, Bethany, is so adorable. I love it. Oh, it was also, this was an interesting development. Craig has a sunglass display on his house for girls to take as a souvenir when they leave his house. Wow. Wow, Craig's dog, Bethany. Wow. I was shocked. That was surprising to me. The He has just a sunglass hut as they leave, so they could grab a pair. What, is this a defy wear sponsorship? I don't know what's going on. Do they just take them? Everyone seemed a little bit confused about it, but we just moved right past it. I would have liked to ask someone to ask follow-up questions. You know, why do you got all these? Sun- Where do they come from? Do you buy them? Is this a sponsored post? Like, what's going on here? Where do these sunglasses come from? Are they female sunglasses or are they unisex sunglasses? Like, how do you decide which ones you're putting in the display case for people to grab on the way out? I needed some follow-up questions. No one seemed to ask a goddamn thing. And that's what one thing that really upset me. Whitney was even there. Whitney, who's the producer on this show, couldn't even ask about the sunglasses. Whitney's just doing his midlife crisis situation. He's in the midst of it. Whitney's in the midst of a midlife crisis. I said that last week. He was just at this party, not asking the important questions. The only thing he was asking was like, he said, where's the fucking ice and napkins, bro? That's what he said. Where's the fucking ice and napkins, bro? And then he was like walking around with a thing of paper towels. I don't know, you guys, Whitney's going through something. He's going through something. I know he's always been a little bit brass, but he's gotten especially brass. He said, where's the fucking ice and napkins, bro? If I hear him say bro one more time, I mean, he is going through it. He is losing it. And we all need to do a Whitney 911 as, of course, Heather McMahon. We love her. Heather McMahon. She always says, there's a Britney 911, a Lindsay 911 when, when we see one of our celebrities going through something. Heather always says, we got a Britney 911 when we see Britney on social media doing something. Maybe that's a little off. And I want to say we need a Whitney from Southern Charm 911. Something is going on with him. Midlife crisis, I believe. Anyway, Craig bamboozled all these people to come over and fill the pillow orders, and they're not doing it. They're not doing it. They do all decide that the guys are going to go to Nashville in that RV. Again, a little upset the women aren't going, but whatever. Patricia arrives at this. She says to Whitney, who Whitney, again, this brass, always saying bro, man, bro, bro, bro. What? Last week, he said something about the fucking French press, man, bro. He called Craig his little fucker or whatever. I don't know. But this week, we see Patricia arrive, and he's like, Patricia goes up to Whitney and is like, give mommy a kiss. This dynamic, you guys. All of a sudden, Whitney turns into a little boy when Patricia's around, which I get it's his mother. But it's just weird to hear him say, like, we're the fucking napkins, motherfucking bro. And then all of a sudden, Patricia's there, and he's just like, give mommy a kiss. And then he just gives her a kiss. This is, wow. We need to just focus on this. Whitney 911. Then Whitney made a joke about Shep having crabs or something. I don't know, unclear. Something about, like, a crab pillow. And then Whitney was like, whoa, Shep loves crabs. He's always got crabs, fucking bro. Motherfucker. I mean, I think Whitney is really going through it. I'm sorry to keep harping on it, but he's going through it. Now, everyone arrives at this party. Catherine arrives. Danny's there. Chelsea's there. They're all wearing different things. They're all dressed for a different occasion. Half of them are wearing leather. Whitney's in a suit jacket. Shep's in a t-shirt. Patricia's in a floral print. And then Catherine's wearing Muppet fur. Where are we? I know this is Craig's house. They're doing a pillow party, but really, where are we? What did they all dress for? They're all dressed for something completely different. Are they going somewhere after this? I'm not sure. What did the email say? What did the Evite say? I feel like on the Evite, they should have gotten a heads up of what this occasion was. Because they're all dressed for something different. One of them's going to ball. One of them's going camping. They're all going somewhere different after this. And if that's the case, then so be it. I just feel as though the Evite should have been more clear. Because they were all wearing something different. Catherine's, I couldn't make... I couldn't figure out what it was. It was like Muppet fur. Anyway, then Chelsea and Austin talk. Chelsea confronts Austin about all these text messages. So apparently, the text message said something about Chelsea's sex drive and the height of her boyfriend, which was weird. I would have liked. I know they showed a screenshot of the text messages, but I didn't get a good look at it. I feel like I needed to pause it. Because that's weird to me. Why was he talking about the boyfriend's height? Is he especially short or especially tall? I don't know. And then the sex drive, I was confused. Was he saying Chelsea doesn't have a sex drive? I need answers. I need answers on that, and I need the sunglasses answered. So then this whole party just sort of evaporates. Like every Patricia's like, okay, I'm going home now. Cam's like, I'm going home. They're all leaving. There was a moment, though, before Austin and Shep had left, where Shep was trying to mentor Austin, and I thought, you know, Shep needs to get a job and stay away from my Austin. Because the last mentor that Austin needs is Shep. No offense, Shep. I'm sorry. I, I feel like I'm very hard on Shep, and I don't mean to be. But it seems like Shep is trying to mentor Austin, and I just want to yell through the screen at Austin, like, get away. You know, stay away from Austin, Shep, because Austin could use a mentor, but not Shep, I believe. What do I know? That's just what I believe. As an onlooker. Now, there was all this business between Catherine and Danny at this pillow party. Danny kind of got pissed at Catherine for not—Catherine had, like, stormed past her and Chelsea talking— And then Danny got mad about it. And Danny kind of stormed out of the house, but she didn't really leave. She just sat on the stump and cried. And then Chelsea went and saw her. And look, I kind of think Danny was right. Catherine does treat Danny like shit. And Danny, we saw the footage. They rolled it back. Danny sticks up for Catherine all the time. And Catherine just is not interested in Danny's feelings. It's like a one-way friendship. And I think maybe she's just young. Catherine's young. Maybe she just doesn't realize that she needs to, it's a give and take of friendship. And it seems like Catherine's maybe just taking too much, but I'm proud of Danny for sticking up for herself because she somebody needs to. But even Shep realized that, Look, here I am turning around on Shep. Shep had a few points this episode. He said, "Catherine's acting like a fucking child," and Catherine didn't want to hear it. She pulled in Erica Jane. She's like, "I'm not, I'm not dealing with this." She said, "Don't talk to me like that." She says, "Bye," and she just walks out. She just walks out. And that's the episode. That's the end of the episode. Ba bum bum. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, next week we see more of Cam with the nanny. She's like hiring a nanny or a babysitter or something. We see Catherine with her new man. I'm excited to see that. We get more Eliza and then we get the RV trip where apparently Whitney starts throwing a wiener at Craig. I don't know. Whitney 911. Whitney 911 that's the episode. Thank you all. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we're going to talk about The Real Housewives of New York, which was a thrilling episode. Oh my God, you guys, I'm so excited to talk about it. So let's take a break here and then we'll come back. Oh, before we take a break, let's do this part here. So find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, facebook.com slash Pellegrino Danny. If you want to support the show, head to patreon.com slash everything iconic. Again, that's patreon.com slash everything iconic. Click Become a Patron. If you donate $4 more per month, you get access to all the bonus episodes. More importantly, you help to support this podcast, so I'm doing one bonus a month. So head on over there. The support means the world to me, so thank you. If you want one of the t-shirts, we have uh, Wow Bethany Wow t-shirts and Craig's Dog Bethany Wow. There's some Pride t-shirts up there. There's some really great t-shirts that Matt designed, all mostly Bravo-related. They're really cute. So go to everythingiconic.threadless.com, They're really cute. And if you look in the episode description, all the links for all this stuff are there. So let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk Rony. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel dot com Iconic. Life is not a
0: cabaret. Is actually not a cabaret. Look to watch my daughter you. sleep. Don't look I? at me. What am I? That's true. You are oh, really Look Please. in the mirror. Look at me. Look face. at you. You never Where? checked in on Dennis. Not what once. Are you no. About? You never asked about Dennis. Are you, you never. I, you did. never asked you I did. You never asked me. No. You don't. No. You don't. Every day it's about you. Every day it's about you it is every second it's about you oh because i didn't get a massage because you're an asshole that didn't even have lunch with us today that you go to look at your own poster i went for a swim at the beach for god's sake you're you're missing her pain you're not getting it's so sad if this is problem, so sad you understand it was a whole weekend I took weeks of my life for you she's being your f***ing doormat I no, she, has you. Not she's saved she is. not been my doormat she's my friend she no. saved you we, we you. I had lawyers come to your house on a Sunday I spoke, I spoke to your kids I sat outside in your driveway to make sure that you didn't drive and your me. car you almost crashed the boat and killed your friends you were running in a field in negligee and had to be taken in cop cars and I made sure that they didn't record it so you didn't Ultimately, get arrested. I was not you in left, a place. You left the f-ing rehab yeah. that I got no, you for free two weeks early and said, yeah, I didn't you leave did two you weeks said, early. Yes, you did. No, you left a week early you to go because was I had weeks to go cabaret. You yes, left. and I needed You're to go sick and do that. I need to go and do that. I got it for free. You're sick.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm feeling Giovanni. My heart is racing. I feel like this episode of The Real House was New York was top five. Definitely, like, definitely top five, top ten of all time. I'm talking about of all time. Now, I consider Scary Island to sort of be the peak. But I guess if you look at all three of those episodes, as like one big episode. But then maybe this Miami trip could be considered one big episode. I mean, the whole Miami trip has been delivering. But I'm not kidding you. Like, my heart is racing. I just got done watching this. I felt like it was the most thrilling, wonderful hour of television of all time. So, so good. I'm not quite ready to declare it the best episode of Rony of all time. But it's definitely up there with the episode from last season, Ship Happens. Do you remember when they were on that boat ride from hell? It's up there with Scary Island. I love the Atlantic City trip. I think it was season seven. I think that's up there. I mean, there's a few episodes that are just quintessentially rony and so perfect. All of those episodes I mentioned, I believe are perfect. And this was perfect. This was a perfect episode. There's no other way to say it. It was a perfect hour of television and we do not deserve it. We are truly blessed. Every single detail of this episode is insane. Now I'm going to be recapping this whole thing. I don't know how long it's going to go, but I'm going to just recap the whole thing. So no complaining. If it's short, it probably won't. It's not going to be short. Let me just tell you that, but no complaining either way. If it's too long, don't complain. People complain all the time. No complaints. If you have a complaint, I don't know, send it to your reps. (laughs) <laughs> send it to your state reps. Don't send it to me. I don't want a DM saying it's too long or it's too short. Send the complaints to your reps, your state reps, okay? That's where I've been sending my complaints about the Papadus on Southern Charm, so that's where you need to send the complaints about this podcast, because too many complaints. Anyway, that with that said, you guys, every, epi- every single detail of this episode was insane. Now, I want to get to the episode. Before I do, we have to talk about a few things, a few housekeeping things. First of all, there's a Feelin' and Giovanni clip out. Luann has released a Little clip of the music video with Cynthia Bailey, Lisa Renna.
0: Feeling Giovanni, feeling, Giovanni, feeling Giovanni, and it feels so good.
1: It looks like the song of the summer. I'm ready to declare it the song of the summer of 2019. It's going to be my ringtone at some point. Very excited about it. I love the look of the video. I want the whole thing. I haven't seen the whole thing yet. We've just seen a couple little clips. Maybe it's fully out, but I haven't only seen the clips online. So that's happening. Also, there are these rumors that Anthony Scaramucci's wife might be on Roni. Now, I don't believe this to be true. I think this is all just like a press thing because his response, Anthony Scaramucci's response, seems to like he's too excited about it. I feel like he planned this. I don't know that for sure, but I feel like he planned it. So that's the that on that. And then Tinsley is allegedly dating Billy Bush. She was on a bowling date with him. She loves a bowling date. Tinsley's a terrible dater. (laughs) We know from this episode, a terrible dater. But she was on a date at a bowling alley with Billy Bush. And I don't know how I feel about it. I'll be honest. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I might like it. I like the idea that it might extend Tinsley's shelf life because I love her. You know, in Game Set, now maybe she found a match. I don't know. But I, I hope it extends her shelf life. I don't want her to go. Those reports about Scaramucci said that Tinsley might be out and Barbara's out. I don't want Tinsley to go anywhere. I love her. I love her. So let's get to this perfect episode of TV. Now, the episode also opens with somebody saying uh, that they, they're looking for a pulse. It says, pulse, question mark. And all we see is outside of this villa in Miami. And I'm thinking, oh my god, did somebody die? Because that's like what we've been led to believe after these past two episodes in Miami. It's like, oh my God, did somebody just kill over? But then we see inside the house, the cameras see Barbara, who is making like a margarita or something, or not even a margarita, it was like a non-alcoholic morning drink. But she was like pulsing it in the blender. And I thought, oh my God, thank God no one's dead. Because I thought that could happen. Like, that's where we're at. That's where we're at, you guys. (laughs) Then it's revealed, like, all of last week we saw that party, that wonderful cocktail party where all the men in Miami were there, and the women were all wet, and they were all trying to go after these men. And there were some really hot ones, but Bethany was, like, being really pushy with Tinsley and that Brett guy. And apparently there was, like, so much we didn't even see from that party. Now, last week's episode was amazing, flawless, perfect, but there were so many things that happened that we didn't even see. And this episode, this week, we flash back to some more of that party where we see Tinsley flirting with this Brett. She's such a terrible flirter. She said, how old are you? And then he said, 60. And she's like, you you look good for 60. And it was like, she's so uncomfortable, you guys. I want to watch her on every date she ever goes on because it's so awkward. So how is she that awkward? She's a beautiful gal. How did this happen? Like, I felt like she must have gone on a lot of dates with people. How is she so uncomfortable? Do you remember she dated that Constantine from American Idol? I don't know why that's relevant, but it's relevant. <laughs> and then... You guys, it was revealed that Sonia was also drunk last week, and we didn't even see this. Apparently she almost broke a table, a coffee table. She broke a glass because she stomped her heel into it. We only saw her drunk in the flashback. I thought she was sober last week. Anyway, this week we see everyone's hungover. I love Bethany when she's hungover. She does great work when she's hungover. She's wearing like a robe. Her hair is a mess. She's always just doing such great reality TV work when she's hungover, and I applaud that. Now, it's revealed that Sonia and Rowena went to bed together at 3 a.m. Everyone's wearing sunglasses. Like, they are all so fucked up. Now, uh, the last few weeks, I've been wondering, like, why haven't they shown us footage of Bethany being really drunk? And a lot of people have reached out to me that it's probably because of Bethany doesn't want to be on camera wasted because then that monster Jason will use it against her in the court of law. And that makes sense to me. It doesn't even matter because they're still giving us everything. Like, I, you know, I've been complaining about I want the footage of them drunk, but you know what? Let me just tell you something. This is flawless. I'm not complaining. Everything about this TV show is perfect. So I take back any complaint I ever had. And I'm sorry. If any of the women are listening, I apologize for any complaint I've ever had in my entire life about you because you're perfect, flawless, iconic. And I love you. I love you. So Bethany goes up to Sonia and she says, I need to talk to Sonia because. Sonia was a mess. And Bethany says to Sonia, you're not making great decisions. So as she's having this talk with Sonia, and keep in mind, Ramona's on the bed holding a bottle of Ageless by Ramona. <laughs> she's just holding it. She's doing flawless product placement. <laughs> she's doing flawless product placement. She's holding that bottle of Ageless by Ramona with the label to the camera. I mean, it couldn't have been more perfect. She's just holding it the whole scene as Bethany's trying to talk to Sonya about her alcoholism. Then Lou walks in, And they're all telling Sonia she's a mess. And Ramona at one point says, I just got goosebumps. And she says to Sonia, this is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call. So now they're all sort of on board with Sonia being a mess. And Lou seems to just be happy that she's not the only mess there. You know what I'm saying? It was like Lou is just thrilled that she's not the only mess in town. Because here comes Sonia trying to break a coffee table. So Lou is really thrilled about that. And then Sonia could tell. She could sense it, So she said to Lou, I don't like the place you're coming from. You're being judgmental. And all I could think about was this bottle of Ageless by Ramona that Ramona was holding to the camera. (laughs) You know, we just talked about it, but it's all I could think about the entire time. And then they decide Sonia's going to go to this AA meeting. They just decide, Bethany, Ramona, and Sonia decide she's going to go to the AA meeting with Lou. As if it's nothing. They're just like, well, that's where you're going to go today. As if it's not, she was just like wasted the night before. And the night before that, she had to call the paramedics to come. <laughs> Sonya's such a fucking mess. And then the next day, she's like, well, I guess I'm going to AA today. Just like it was nothing. Like it was, they were going to McDonald's for a McFlurry. I don't know. <laughs> it was like it was nothing. Meanwhile, Barb's doing Barry's boot camp in the back. <laughs> the Barry's boot camp instructor came and they had a setup for all of them to do it. And Barb was the only one doing it. Poor Barb is on an island all by herself doing a Barry's boot camp. Barry's boot camp is hard. It's hard. Anyway, then we're in the kitchen. We cut to the kitchen. Ramona finds out that Tinsley was flirting with this Brett and she gets pissed because she wants this Brett now. And Tinsley shuts her down immediately. She just says, we're not doing this. And I just love, I love, I love that they all fuck the same men. I love that they have this small group of men that they're all trying to fuck. And they're all doing it. And I love that. There's nothing that makes me happier than this pool of men that they all go after. It is so weird and bizarre and such, I guess, a subculture of this community in New York. It's such an interesting peek into this world. I love it. They're all trying to fuck the same men. Then Tinsley, like, she shuts it down right away. She's a, we're not doing this. Ramona, you're not going after Brett. I'm going after Brett. And then she pulls out this picture of Ramona sucking face with Harry Dubin from TMZ. And you guys, that photo. That photo of ramona's second face on t m z with Harry Dubin that photo deserves to be in uh museums across the country. It's a beautiful yet disturbing image as all great art is i mean great great art makes you think it makes you confused, it makes you angry and sad. That photo did all those things now that's great art that's high art. It makes us wonder it makes us question our realities and that photo of Ramona's Second Face with Harry Dubin did all of those things. It's truly the highest form of art I can think of, at least in the most recent time, since, I don't know, Picasso or Michelangelo, that photo is probably the best and closest thing to art we've seen in some time. So I would like to get that hung up somewhere, blown out, even with the TMZ watermark. Just keep it all and It's perfect. It's perfect. Then, Sonia arrives into the kitchen. She's ready for this AA meeting, and she's in a bathing suit and a cover-up. And immediately, Lou says, You can't dress like <laughs> I don't know if I could do my Lou impression, you guys. She says, You can't dress like that. You're with men dealing with alcoholism.
0: You're with men dealing with
1: alcoholism. (laughs) That's a terrible impression. I'm sorry. But she says, This is not, this is AA. It's not Club Med. It's not Club Med. So Sonya has to go and change before she goes to this AA meeting that she doesn't even seemingly want to go to. Meanwhile, Barb comes into the kitchen and she looks like she's finally ready to say something. And then she says, no one cares about her. She says, No one's giving. She says, She feels like left out. Then Ramona, Bethany, they all go after Barb and say, You're giving off negative fucking vibes. I think, I don't know if Ramona or Bethany said, You're giving off those fucking vibes, negative energy. Dorinda chimes in. They're all saying Barb's like the worst, which I know we've all been thinking, but seeing them say it to Barb made me feel very uncomfortable and I felt very bar- bad for Barb. They were all basically telling her that she's a negative piece of shit and it was like, Poor Barb was trying to pour out her heart and soul to these women, and they were just being assholes to her. And I felt so badly for Barb. And I was just shouting, get out. Barbara was crying, and I felt I wanted to give her a hug through the screen. I wanted her to get out of that house. At one point, they said, like, should I leave? And She's like, should I leave? And then the girl's like, no, maybe you want to leave. I don't know. And I just felt so terrible for this Barb. I wanted her to get out of the house. I wanted her to get off the show. Not even anymore because I don't think she fits in. Now I want her to go for her own well-being. I don't think it's good for her to be here. I think she's a normal, nice woman, and she should not be on this show because she is normal and nice. No offense to the other women who I love and their icons, Queens Legends, but I don't want Barbara to be in this group because it's only good for her mental health to get out of there. It seems like a bad fit for her, and I don't want her there. Then we cut to Sonia, who's waiting in the lobby of the villa for Lou and her new outfit. And Sonia comments that when Lou shows up to go to this AA meeting, Lou's wearing a slit up to her hoo-ha. So Lou <laughs> Lou made Sonia change, but meanwhile, Lou's showing off the hoo-ha in a heavy slit. And I laughed so hard at that. She said, you know, Lou's wearing a slit up to her hoo-ha. And I noticed. and She was right. Sonia was right. Then we get to the women going to this pool. They go to this. They leave the house. They go to this pool. I want to make note that Bethany and Ramona are getting along and I like when they get along. I do like it. Then we see a little sign that says one hour later and we see Sonia and Lou leaving the AA meeting. And Sonia reveals that she got hit on at that meeting and then Sonia reveals in the car ride to the hotel pool that she felt very uncomfortable hearing the other people's stories at the AA and she says she's a very empathetic person and I really I'm a very empathetic person. People tell me I'm an empath. <laughs> Somebody. People multiple people have told me that. I feel like I'm an empath. And, which means I'm an empathetic person and I take on the emotions of other people, which can be good, but also it's a nightmare. Anyway, she was saying that she just can't stop thinking about these people's stories that they were sharing at the AA meetings. As she's telling Lou this, Lou is just not seemingly taking it in. She's not seemingly taking it in. Meanwhile, back at the pool, the girls order food. They get the truffle fries. They get a bunch of food for the group. Dorinda reveals that she hasn't been eating the whole trip. What? Did anyone catch that? She said, I didn't eat for 24 hours or something like that. <laughs> I was like, how did you forget to eat? There's been food everywhere. I've seen it. We saw last week, Sonia deep-throated some meal. Why didn't Dorinda take a, a piece of fish off that plate? Some of the fish that Sonia deep-throated should have went in Dorinda's mouth. I'm just saying. I She should have grabbed a piece of eel or something. I've seen so much food on this goddamn trip. There's been food everywhere on the island, the kitchen island, every place. They, they're going to dinners. They're at a dinner tonight. They're going to dinners. Why didn't Dorinda eat? I don't understand. She's just been forgetting. That's strange. Then Sonia and Lou arrive at the pool. It's revealed that Lou is treating ca- Lou. Excuse me. Lou is treating AA as if it's a cabaret performance. Sonia says Lou is performing there. She's performing at AA. What the fuck? Are we just going to brush past the fact that Lou's putting on her show at an AA meeting? That's how Sonya made it sound. Now, we didn't see the footage, but that's how Sonya made it sound. And by the way, Luann didn't deny it. Luann just stood there and basically agreed with everything Sonya was saying about performing at the AA meeting. Sonia's like, Luann just likes the attention, and she's telling jokes. Sonia said Luanne's telling jokes at the AA meeting? And then Luanne's like, well, that's my story. Well, that's my story. And this is weird, you guys. I know that AA is supposed to be a safe space, and I I hate even talking about it because I know it's a very personal thing for a lot of people and very helpful to a lot of people. And please forgive me if I'm speaking about it poorly or anything. I'm trying my best, but I think it's strange that Lou's performing there. And I don't know. I haven't been to an AA meeting, so I apologize. Please don't. I apologize if I'm speaking about it poorly. But it seems bizarre to me that Luann's performing as if it's a cabaret performance. That seems strange. So as Sonia's telling the group this, she seems like she's on the brim. You know, Sonia's definitely on the brim here. And she starts to cry or tear up, or she's kind of doing this, like, smile, tear up thing. Tinsley tells Sonia that she needs a drink, which is maybe not the best thing to say to someone who almost broke a table the night before. She had the paramedics come because she got so drunk. And then she also just came from an AA meeting. I mean, maybe not the first thing to say to That was Tinsley's first response. Like, grab a drink, Sonia. You, Sonia, you need a drink you need a drink. And saying like maybe she just came from an AA meeting. And the night before that, she almost broke a table. And then the night before that, she had the paramedics come because she got so drunk. Maybe don't offer her a drink. I don't know. And then Sonia's talking about the AA meeting. She's telling all the women there, she's saying she just felt uncomfortable because everyone's telling her stories. And then she compares it to the New York subway. I mean, what? It's the Rony whiplash. Like, what did she, I was like, what did she just say? She just compare AA to riding the subway? I mean, I couldn't even... I couldn't make heads or tails of what she was saying. I was like, it was the subway? What? And the whole time that Sonia's on the brim and losing it, Luann's like, I'm gonna go for a swim. I need a swim. She goes for a swim on the beach. She leaves everyone. She's such a mess, you guys. Luann's a mess. I'm talking about Luann now. They're all messes, but Luann's like... What is... Luanne's a big mess. And... I would be outraged. The same way that all the women were with Luanne, I would be the same way, I think. But she goes for a swim, and I thought it was weird that the camera crew followed her. It was like just her alone on the beach. I was surprised that they sent a separate crew to her. They must have had a lot of people. I don't know. It was weird to me that the camera crew followed her. Then the rest of the women go back to the house, and Sonia says at the house, like they're walking in the house, and Sonia's like, AA is full of people who want to perform. And I thought, maybe this is not the best thing to say about AA. Like, I think it's filled with a lot of different people. And maybe not, they're they're maybe not all performance artists. I don't know. But that's what Sonia keeps saying. She just keeps saying, oh, they all like to perform there. And she says they all want all their time. Somebody's got to pull them off, off the stage. And so what kind of meeting was this? I know we don't go into these meetings because it's Alcoholics Anonymous, so I understand that. But it seems like this meeting was not a traditional meeting. And they keep sort of saying like off offhanded remarks about it being Florida. They're like, well, it's a Florida meeting. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Speaking of, I just want to mention, this is like a, a terrible segue, but I just want to mention it's the anniversary of the Orlando shooting. So I know we're talking about Florida and I just want to pay my respects. And that was a terrible, I don't mean that insensitively. That's a terrible segue, but I just want to Just want to honor all those that we lost, So, just on a serious note. And that was a terrible segue. I felt like I should have done that, excuse me, a little bit better. But you guys know what I'm trying to say. Let's get back to the truffle fries. (laughs) Let's get back. We'll do, we'll get back to the truffle fries. So apparently when the women got the food to go from the hotel pool, because they had to go back to the house because Sonia was on the brim, they did not get the truffle fries in the to-go bags. So then... They decided to text Luann because Luann's still back at this hotel. She's on the beach, but she's still at this hotel. And so Ramona texts her to get the truffle fries. She says, get two orders of truffle fries. Now, Luanne, we see her read the text, and she never gets the french fries. And I feel that this was the turning point for Bethany. Bethany really wanted those truffle fries. And I feel like this will put Bethany over the edge. I think the truffle fries is what did it. I think otherwise we would have had this whole vacation... Bethany wouldn't have lost it on the win. She might have lost it later, but I think the truffles fries put her over the edge. Now, meanwhile, back at the house, all the women are bonding over their hatred for Luann. And as this is happening, it was the funniest. I was belly laughing. Like I was watching, I don't know, a Dumb and Dumber, or I I don't know, like a Romeo Michelle, or, you know, a, a movie where I like belly laugh. You know what I'm saying? I was belly laughing at the. The difference between the women at the house talking about how they hate Luann and Luann at the theater looking at her poster. I was dying. It was so fucking funny. <laughs> this footage, the footage of her just looking at her poster. She's like, wow. Then she made someone take a photo. And meanwhile, back at the house, Ramona's saying that Luann had the audacity. Did you catch that? Ramona always likes to say the word audacity instead of audacity. <laughs> Ramona said Luann had the audacity the day before to say that all the women were jealous. Meanwhile, Luann's just taking photos of herself in front of that poster. I couldn't. I couldn't even deal. I couldn't even deal with Luann and the posters. Photos and the posters. I couldn't deal. It was so fucking funny, you guys. Then the women back at the house, they have massage therapists there. So they decide, you know what, Lou's not here. We're going to just take her massage therapy appointment. That's just how it's going to be. We're going to take the appointment. Barb goes up first. She, like, leaves the table real quick, hops on up. I've never seen Barb move that fast, including when she was doing the Barry's Boot Camp earlier in the episode. I've never seen her move that quick. Then when she was taking Luann's massage appointment. Then Luann finally arrives back at the house, and her and Sonia have an argument about AA. And this is where Sonia says, these meetings are rough in South Florida. Did you catch that? She says, these meetings are rough in South Florida. She says, I'm not an attention seeker. You are. She says, You're a diva. She's saying all this to Luann. And I did want to like scream through the screen, like, Sonia, don't say these things about it. Like, I don't think this is a traditional AA meeting. Like, I think that you maybe had a unique experience with Luann, but I don't think this is how the organization is run. And you're doing a disservice to people who are in AA and who may be thinking about going AA. I think it could be helpful. And I hope people aren't watching this episode and thinking, Oh, this is not what I want. Anyway. Lou is really leaning into this diva persona. She's loving it. When Sonya called her a diva, she seemed to love it. And that's a problem. It's one thing for, like, Mariah Carey to do. You know, like, I love Mariah Carey. She's my number one diva, number one queen icon legend of all time. And when Mariah plays the diva persona, she's fucking earned it. She's got 18 number one singles, that most of which she's written. She wrote All I Want for Christmas Is You, and she performed it. She's written almost all of her songs, tons of hits. She's earned that place of being a diva. But when she was coming out with her first album, she wasn't acting like that. Her first, second, third, fourth, she wasn't acting. She didn't have that persona back then. Lou's taking on that persona after writing about uh Chic Say La Vie, which she didn't even write. Some gay wrote Chic Say La Vie. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Countess speaking. Like she didn't write that. That was her one hit, and it only charted in like the I don't know, New Zealand dance charts. It wasn't like a Billboard Hot 100 number one. <laughs> Do I have it on my iPad? Of course, but is it recognized in states in the middle of the country? I don't know. Is it recognized by my parents in Ohio? No. Okay, I just want to say it's not played at weddings. Will it be played at my wedding? Sure, but it's not played at most weddings, Luann. I'm sorry, but she's taking on this diva persona as if it's she's earned it, and she hasn't. Meanwhile, Barb is just spraying herself with some self tanner. She let it out earlier. She cried. She let it out. Now she's just spraying on her skin. She's just spraying away with that big-ass thing of self-tanner. She said, Barbie from the Bronx wants to look a little Latina. I wrote it down. <laughs> I wrote that down. And I'm just saying, Barbara definitely left some orange streaks on all of that furniture in Miami. Every place she went to. I'm sure that Tej, remember that guy Tej from a couple weeks back? I'm sure he had to go around that house and just clean up all Barb's fucking self-tanner. Because you know it just got all over the furniture. Those white couches we saw, it was just getting everywhere. I'm sure that self-tanner was every which way but loose. They went to that restaurant later in the evening. I'm sure she left some orange streaks there. We all have a friend who self-tans. I know people, I remember a girl named Jenny in high school. She used to self-tan, and her hands were a different color than the rest of her. Because she would, I don't know, massage it in with her hands. Her fingertips were a completely different color. It It was not an even tan. And I'm certain that Barb's tan's not even, and I'm certain that she left it around the house. And for that, I salute you, Barb. I appreciate it. She stained all those white couches. I hope they had insurance. I hope Bravo got insurance on that house. Because Barb Self-Tanner got on every fucking thing in there. Let me tell you that. they Bravo <laughs> Bravo had to pay some extra dollars. That's probably why they couldn't go on another trip, and that's why this season's shorter. You know, we were all wondering why this season's shorter than most, and that's why. They couldn't afford it. They had to pay all the money to replace all of the furniture in this Miami house, because Barb Self-Tanner got all over it. That's exactly what happened. That's what I'm choosing to believe happened. So everyone's getting ready. Bethany's really riding hard for this Brett guy and Tinsley. She's really pushing it on Tinsley. Tinsley decides to text with this guy. She was texting with him earlier. She's terrible at flirting, but Bethany just grabs her phone and she's like, okay, you're going to meet this Brett at the restaurant. You go have a drink with him before we arrive. So Tinsley, like so uncomfortable. She gets really, gets ready really quickly. She just runs out of the house and goes on the state with Brett. And it seems like she's only going to be on the state for a little while because the girls are meeting there at dinner. So I don't know how long she had. It seems like it was just maybe like 20 minutes or something, which we'll talk about later. So Tinsley leaves on this date. Luanne is getting ready, and she's pissed about the massage. She's pissed about the hair people. She apparently didn't get enough time with the hair person or something. I don't know. She's just being a diva. She's being a diva. And Ramona finds out that Tinsley's on a date. And Ramona gets to be a diva because she says, why is she allowed on a date? I want to go on a date. Ramona's always wanted meet with Dick. She just doesn't, she doesn't want to be with the women. Ramona just wants to be on a date. And I like that about Ramona. She's out loud and proud about it. She's not trying to hide it. She always wants to be with a man. And I appreciate that. I like it. We always thought, like, do you remember how we would assign Sex in the City characters? And I say we, I mean me. When I'm watching, I would always sec- assign Sex in the City characters to almost anything I watch, but particularly on Roni. And I think we all thought that Luann was a little bit more of a Samantha. Didn't we all think that? And Luann's even said that in the show. She said she was like a Samantha. Well, I'm actually thinking that maybe Ramona's more the Samantha. I don't know. Then let's see. We see Tinsley on the state. So Tinsley's on the state at this restaurant. And we only see this footage from like outside. We only see a little bit of her. We see some of the drinks going to Tinsley. Tinsley's already drunk. And we hear what Tinsley's saying, and it's so embarrassing. She's talking about her mugshot. She's talking about kids. She's like, "Well, I know I might want kids. I know my mom wants kids, and I'm still not even sure if I want kids. And maybe I do want kids, and I think I do. But like, I don't know. You don't need to feel that pressure. I mean, you're sixty. You don't know I mean I was. Cr- I had like cringe sweats, you guys. I, w- I had to go like reapply deodorant. I left the next commercial break. I went in the restroom and I applied deodorant again. I was already having. I already had deodorant on, but I had to apply more. And let me tell you something, by the end of this episode, I had to apply even more because I had nervous sweats from this episode. But particularly watching Tinsley flirt and be on this date, she was such a mess. Then back at the house, because the other women haven't left yet. Back at the house, Ramona and Lou talk. Ramona goes to Luann's room because all the other women were like, let's just leave Luanne, just be an asshole. Let's leave her. Ramona's like, no, let me go talk to her. I don't know why Ramona's being nice, but she's trying it on. So, Ramona goes to Luann's room, and which was really weird when she opened the door, there was like this shade. Did you catch that? There was a shade. It seemed like something to do with the crew, but there was this shade down that was like blocking the door, which so that was weird. I need answers. Anyway, Ramona talks to Lou. Lou says she's pissed about the hair and the massage. And then the women leave. The rest of the women just leave. Ramona's alone with Lou. And I love when they're together because they're great, like frenemies. You know, they've always had this great frenemy relationship. We see them in the car together. The other women have already gone in the car. They're in a whole other vehicle where Sonia is complaining about the air conditioning because she says it makes her poop. That's a whole nother story. But the other women are all on their way to the restaurant. Tinsley's already there. And now Sonia and, or I'm sorry, Ramona and Luann are going alone. So awkward. And I loved it. Meanwhile, at the restaurant, Tinsley's already making out with this Brett. She's already tonguing him down. She's tonguing him down. Game set. Now she's tonguing him down. And she's drunk. She says she's a kissing slut. So she leaves this Brett to go meet up with the other women at the restaurant and get at the table. And she's drunk already. And she says she's a kissing slut. And all the women, they're like giggling about it. Bethany's giggling. Sonia's giggling. Although Sonia did a little jab at Tinsley. Do you notice? She's like, if Tinsley wants a marriage, she should stop making out on the first date. Sonia's not missing a beat in terms of like a jab on Tinsley. Have you caught that the whole season? I don't know what... Sonia really has a thing against Tinsley. Anyway, I love seeing them like teenagers, like talking about kissing the boy. It's just so... I don't know. I love it. I love it. Then they all sit down at the table. Luann and... Excuse me. Excuse me. You guys see, I'm like so... I'm so on the brim about this episode. My heart rates up because we're not even we haven't even gotten to this most amazing scene yet. But anyway, Lou and Ramona arrive last. They sit down, and Lou's already sort of on the brim, right? She's already kind of there. She passive aggressively complains about the massage, about the hair. Then Barbara, who is finally playing the Housewives game. I don't know if Barbara just had to let it out when she let it out earlier in the episode. It's like she let it out, and she kind of shed her skin and became a new person. And all of a sudden, she decided she's going to play the Housewives game. And so, right when Lou sits down, Barbara says, Lou, where were you? Which was already kind of, I thought, like, uncharacteristic of Barb. She says, Lou, where were you? That's not something that Barb normally says. Then, the waiter comes by, and Bethany reveals that she already ordered a lobster Pop-Tart. I thought I misheard that. I didn't mishear it she did say lobster Pop-Tart. I was so confused. I rewound it a couple times. I was like, a lobster Pop-Tart? What the fuck's a lobster Pop-Tart? I've never heard of a fucking lobster Pop-Tart. Have you heard of a lobster Pop-Tart? What the fuck is that? Never heard of it. Not once. And I love a Pop-Tart, you guys. I love a Pop-Tart. My maid once left a Pop-Tart in my freezer, and apparently that's like a thing. You eat them frozen. It's a thing. But I love a Pop-Tart. I don't know if I love a lobster Pop-Tart. And isn't that just a Hot Pocket? Like, I know a Hot Pocket, let me let me just, let's think about this for a second. We need to think about this. So a Hot Pocket is like an inside-out pizza, but then they make like ham and cheese Hot Pockets, don't they? They make like sandwich type Hot Pockets. And isn't a Pop-Tart supposed to be sweet? So then, does this mean that the lobster Pop-Tart was sweet? Or does it just mean they didn't want to call it a Hot Pocket, like a lobster Hot Pocket? Because I feel that it should have been called the Lobster Hot Pocket. Because I think of Pop-Tarts as sweet, but maybe I'm just wrong and the lobster is sweet. I don't eat seafood. so I, But I know lobsters aren't sweet, but maybe there was like some sort of raspberry filling. I don't know. I don't know. But it seems to me that it should have been called a Hot Pocket. I believe. But maybe they didn't get the rights to it. Maybe, who knows, maybe Hot Pocket sent them a cease and desist. That happens. I'm, you know, I'm no business maven, but I feel like that could have happened. They called it... A lobster hot pocket, and then Hot Pocket brand was like, "No, you're not. No, you're the not the fuck. You're not fucking doing that. You're not calling it that." And they had to call it a pop tart. I don't know if the pop tart people know about this. Who knows? Maybe they'll send a cease and desist, and next time we're uh, at this restaurant, we won't be able to order it. I don't know, but it seems strange to me. So then Barbara says to Luann. Barbara speaks up, and she's playing the game. She says, "I stopped my life for you, Lou." And she said earlier today, I was having a hard time, and you didn't have my back. And then Lou says that the women have been brainwashing Barb. And it's like, no, Barb just kind of finally woke up. She finally woke up. Meanwhile, Tins is drunk. Tinsley's so fucking wasted. I <laughs> loved it. I lo- it was like, this scene, you guys, this scene is one of the best. It just kept building and building and building. And just when you thought it couldn't build anymore, it kept building more. It was perfection. Give it an Emmy. Give them all, give, uh, Tinsley deserve an Emmy. Give Barb the Emmy. Give Lou the Emmy. Give Bethany the Emmy. Bethany definitely deserved the Emmy. Give Ramona the Emmy. Did you see Ramona pushing out of tears? Give them all an Emmy. Give them a SAG award. They need a group award, too, because they're all doing fantastic work here. Give them the SAG award. Best ensemble. Anyway, Tinsley says, she speaks up and she says, You never slush up for her. You never slush up for her. That's what Tinsley says. You never slush up for her. (laughs) <laughs> Tinsy was so fucking drunk. She slurred her words. And then Luann says, Would you?" she said, oh, I never, what for her? You know, like Luann gives her some shit back and like insults her for being drunk. And this sets off Bethany. Because I think, I believe in my head, when Bethany sat down for this dinner, she remembered about the truffle fries because they were at a restaurant with food. And so I think Bethany remembered about the truffle fries and how Luann didn't bring back the truffle fries. And so Bethany was like ready to lose it on Luann. She was ready to lose it. And then when she heard Luann insult Tinsley for being a little bit tipsy, Bethany lost it. And Tinsley lost it too. Tinsley's like, yeah, I'm drinking Luann. Because Luann gets on her high horse, and this happened last season with Dorinda, do you remember? Although we all sided with Luann in the moment, I think looking back, Dorinda had a point. Because remember when they were in Cartagena and Dorinda was wasted? My god, these women get wasted a lot. But they were in Cartagena, and Durina, that was that moment where Dorinda was like, why don't you get another mug shot, Luann? Get another mug shot. Oh, that was a good scene. That Cartagena trip. Wow, Bethany, wow. What a good time. But I think we all, I sided with Luann back then, but now I'm like looking back and I'm like, maybe I was wrong. Because I don't like that Luann acts like she's on a high horse and gives these other women shit when she had these alcoholism problems. So Tinsy says, Yeah, I'm drinking, a bit. Yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. Then Bethany says, Who the fuck do you think you are? She says, You're a sicko. Meanwhile, we're getting close ups of the other patrons in this restaurant, which I love when they do that, you know, when they're fighting at the dinner table. And then they just show us everyone else looking at them. Love it. And then Luann says, Are you done what we build women up so we can tear them down? As this happens, the lobster Pop Tarts arrive, and I was shook because. They were actual Pop Tarts in a toaster. They were in a toaster. So maybe that makes them a Pop Tart. Maybe I was wrong because you can't put a Hot Pocket in a toaster. You put it in the microwave. Everybody knows that. So maybe that's why they call them a Pop Tart. Gosh, I'm rethinking everything, but they did arrive. And that was really like a very satisfactory moment. And I think it was for all of us because here we are in the middle of this fight and we're all kind of like on the edge of our seat. We're clutching our invisible pearls. We're, we're just like our blood is flowing. And we need something to calm us down. And let me tell you something. When the lobster Pop-Tarts arrived, it calmed us all down because we realized like, oh, we all weren't crazy about the lobster Pop-Tarts earlier. Do you know what I'm saying? Because earlier when it was real that Bethany ordered the lobster Pop-Tarts, I think we all thought, what the fuck's a lobster Pop-Tart? So then in the midst of the scene where everyone's yelling and there's just so much tension, it was so satisfactory to the human soul, the human brain, everything. It was so satisfactory to see an actual toaster with some, I don't know, pops, Pop-Tart lobster things popping out. It was like, okay, even though we're in the midst of this chaos, there is some bit of information that's being presented in the scene that's calming us down a little bit, so that we can handle everything else that's happening around us. Because everything that has happening around us is crazy. Sonia starts crying. Bethany says, you're dining out on your sobriety. She says that to Luann. She said, meanwhile, I thought in this scene, this is neither here nor there, but I thought Tinsley really looked like Danny from Southern Charm. (laughs) She sort of, like, Danny looks like the Walmart version of Tinsley. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're both beautiful women. That's no insult. I just mean they look alike. Especially in this scene. So then Bethany's, like, losing it, and Luann is throwing back uh, Bethany's catchphrase at her. She says, be strong. Be strong. And then Luann says, this is not enjoyable for me. And then Bethany just loses it more and more. And she says, my guy died and I was there for your intervention. You never checked in on me. Life is not a cabaret. Life is not a cabaret. And Lou's just sitting there, look at you, look at you. Tinsy says, don't say look at you. Now Bethany is losing it, you guys. She's totally having a breakdown. She's losing it. She's starting to do a soap opera voice. And I couldn't tell. At first I thought, Bethany was just trying to put on a show. Like, I really did think that at first. I thought Bethany's just putting on an act. She's putting on a soap opera pants, and she's acting in this scene. And I'm not even saying I would be mad at that. That's just what it seemed to be at first, because this voice she was putting on, my guy died, and I was there for your intervention. I've just never heard Bethany talk like that. You never checked in. It was almost like Eileen Davidson on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and she's like, you beast, beast, how dare you? Remember when Eileen, Queen Eileen Davidson <laughs> I loved Eileen, you guys remember when Eileen Davidson she said, "Beast, how dare you, Beast, How dare you? How dare you <laughs> Beast, how dare you? I'm trying to do it. I don't know if I could do it justice. I can't act the way that Eileen can Eileen has a daytime Emmy, okay, I'm not as good, but you know what I'm saying, Bethany was doing the same soap opera voice that Eileen did, Queen Eileen. Eileen. I'm getting I'm getting flustered on my words, you guys. I'm getting flustered. Anyway, Tinsley chimes in and she says, Don't say look at you. And then Bethany says, every fucking day is about you. Then Ramona cries. Then Luann says, This was very offhanded, you might have missed it, but Luann says, somebody says, like Barb was your friend, or Barb is your friend. And Luann says, Well, Barb was my friend. i could not believe Luann would say that. That was the lowest point for me to be honest. I think and the look on Barbara's face, do you see that? I go back and rewatch it. That look on Barbara's face when Luann says was a friend. It was like almost under Luann's breath, but I think Barbara heard it and Barbara's face looked like all the color left her face, all that self tanner left Barb's face. It just <laughs> it left her face and it didn't get rubbed off on one of the couches. It just left her face and she was pale. Because she heard Luann say that, and it was like almost like it clicked in Barbara's head. Like, oh, this person's a monster, and she's not a well-wisher, as Aviva Drescher would say. She was not being a well-wisher. And Barbara realized that something snapped in her head. She thought, oh my god, okay, that's it. And I felt so bad for her. She was always there for Luann. Barbara's heartbroken. That's, again, why I want Barbara out of this. I want Barbara out of these people. I feel too bad for Barbara. She seems like a nice, wonderful woman. And get out, Barb you're busy. Barb, you're a construction worker. You're busy doing your tool belts. You got a book out. She's got a book out. that We should all buy it. It's some called Something on Heels. Hell on Heels or something like that. I don't know. Or Construction on Heels or, I don't know, Build, Barb the Builder on Heels. I'm not sure. It's Something on Heels. We should all buy that book and read it. Let's do a book club so that Barb's books sales go through the roof and she could do a sequel. She could do a whole series. She'll become the new uh, E.L. James or whatever. Fuck that. Fifty Shades of Grey is... And let's make Barb's book series go through the roof. And it'll be a there'll be a movie franchise. I mean, that's what we need for Barb. Barb deserves it. She's been through too much. And quite frankly, we all need to buy that book. I'm going to pre-order it as soon as I'm done here. I don't know if it's out yet. I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm going to search Heels Barb. And I'm going to hope it comes up. And if it does, I'm going to buy it. If it doesn't, I'll probably move on fairly quickly. And I'll never read it. But for now, I'm going to after we finish. I will say I will look on Amazon after we finish here. I'm not saying I'll buy it or read it. But I'm committed to at least searching for maybe ten seconds. That's where I'm at. But I think that we owe it to Barb to make her book success and into a film franchise starring. I don't know. Who do you think could play Barb? I'm not sure. Jodie Foster. I don't know. Or I. <laughs> I feel like maybe Laura Linney could do a good job. A good Barb. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. We can workshop that. I let's all let's all brainstorm on who could play Barb in the book. Uh, in the movie version of her book, Something on Heels, so I'll think about it. So then Barbara's heartbroken. Bethany's then reveals all these little factoids about Luann when she was drinking that we didn't know about that are all just sort of being spit out at this dinner. And I was trying to write down feverishly. And then at the end, it wouldn't let me rewind on my TV, so I couldn't rewind at this part. So I apologize. I was trying to write down in my notes of all the things Bethany was saying that was happening with Luann, and I might have missed some. So I apologize. But she did say that Luann at one point was like running in a negligee in a field with some other people, and Bethany had to make sure they didn't film her. So it wasn't recorded so that no one could show the judge. What the fuck? Then Bethany says that she she like stopped Luann from driving and almost killing people or something. Then Bethany says that she got free rehab for Lu, free rehab, and Luann left it two weeks early, which that was in the press. When all that happened, that was in the press, and Luann said she had to go do her cabaret show. That's not okay. Don't leave rehab to do your cabaret show. This is not good. This is not good. Not good at all. But that's crazy. We did not know any of these factors. It was like Bethany was just spitting out so much stuff in like 15 seconds. It was like that scene in Friends. Do you remember the one where everyone—the one, the Thanksgiving one? Excuse me, I forget what, which Thanksgiving one it was, which season. But do you remember when it was like, Hurricane Gloria didn't break the porch swing. Monica did. And it was like Monica and Chandler are living together. It was like so much information and so much little in such little time. That was what the scene was. It was like the dramatic version of that friend scene. Ah, you guys, all these things though. Bethany got the rehab for free. I didn't know she got it for free. Rehab's probably expensive. I don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing it's expensive. She got it for free and Luann just left two weeks early. What the fuck? That's fucked up. And I could see why Bethany would be pissed. And then Bethany, of course, is just mad because Luann's never asked about Dennis. Bethany says, everyone else here has checked in. Luann's like, not everyone else. And she's like, yeah, actually. Even fucking Rona did. So come on, Lou. It's just not okay. It's not a good look on Lou. This whole... Lou is not looking good, you guys. He, she got it for free. And then what was that thing about the driving and the almost killing people? I don't And then the field where the people were going to take footage of it, was there footage of it, or Bethany stopped them from taking footage. These women are truly living a a different lifestyle than I'm living, let's just say that. But what field were they in? They live in the city. What field was this? But they just found a field? How do they find a field for Luann to run around in a negligee? And where's the movie version of this? Okay, I know we we got Barb's in development, but we need the movie version of Luann running in the field with a negligee and two other people. I need that. Show me that. Laura Lenny could play that. That's for sure. I'm watching that Tales of the City on Netflix. I love it, by the way. But it's so nice to see Laura. I love Laura Lenny. She's also in Ozark, so it's not like you can't see her anywhere. But oh my god, that Tales of of the City is so good. And Pose, too. If you guys aren't watching Pose, watch Pose. It's amazing. (sighs) Wow, I'm spent. So that's, that's it. That's the episode. Then... We, we're we not even out of Miami yet, you guys. We've been here for three episodes, and we're not even done yet. We're still in Miami. This is three episodes. These running women get three episodes. Meanwhile, on The Real House of Beverly Hills, they're in France, and nothing's happening. They're all in fucking France, and nothing's happening. They're filming the women in France. Meanwhile, the, the other people are in L.A., and their houses are burning down. And it's still boring. I mean, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I feel my heart goes out to the people, to Denise and Camille's houses are burning down. My heart goes out to it. I just don't, I can't imagine how you could have a reality show starring women whose houses are burning down and it's still boring. How does that happen? How does that work? Where's the producers? (laughs) I mean, no offense to producers. I know they have a lot of work cut out of them, but I'm just saying like Roni's in Miami for three episodes and it's the most thrilling three hours of TV I've ever seen. And the Beverly Hills women are in France and I don't even know what they're doing over there. What happened? It was like they, Erica got confronted and she walked away from the table and that was it. So, I don't know. Next week, we're still in Miami. It, it seems like they get back to New York next week, which is good. I'm excited for them to get back to New York. But it was this Miami trip is just the gift that keeps on giving. And I can't express enough that it's just truly a phenomenal hour of TV. I'm going to watch it again, probably right now. I'm going to pre-order Barb's book, maybe. And then I'm going to rewatch it because there were so many details. I feel like I missed details. I want to go hear that whole speech again from Bethany because I feel like I missed things. And I apologize if you caught things that I missed because... She, they were happening so fast. And at that table, do, did you notice Dorinda at that table? She wasn't even speaking up, which is uncharacteristic of Dorinda, but she didn't want to get involved because she could see that she didn't need to get involved. I think this whole trip, most of this season, Dorinda's been staying out of it. And I think she's letting Luann dig her own grave. And it's a smart power play. Dorinda's really doing a power play here because I think Dorinda never wanted to make up with Luann, and she did. But I think the whole time she thought, you know what? I don't really like this land. I'm going to make up with her and then let her dig her own grave. And it's working, Dorinda. It's working. Clap. Okay. <laughs> That's the episode, you guys. Clap. Uh, now I just want to do a Dorinda clip. Clap. Clap. Oh, I missed that. I feel like I just had a catharsis. Is that a word? Feels like it. I just feel like I just... Maybe we need to do our breathing exercises. I think we do because we're all worked up. I know I am. So let's all take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Now let's just take another deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Now we're just going to do a third because we need it. This was an intense week of shows, but we made it. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. I love you all so much for listening. I think we have a very exciting interview coming on Monday. If not Monday, it'll be an interview coming very soon. I'm excited about it. I am also not excited that The Real House is New York is moving to Thursdays next week. So let's all mark our calendars. And I don't know how that's going to affect the podcast. I guess maybe we'll have separate episodes. I guess we'll have to. So... I love you all so much for listening. We'll figure that out next week. But in the meantime, subscribe, rate, review if you like it. Only if you like it. If you don't like it, just, I don't know, send it to your state reps. (laughs) Love you. Bye-bye. Could you imagine, though, (laughs) P.S.? Could you imagine if you just wrote your congressman a letter and you're like, I don't like Danny's podcast. (laughs) He says the, he talks about dicks too much. Just write your congressman. Anyway, I love you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high-quality products, plus fast delivery, and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern